we've been talking about and dealing with uh, the subject preparing for greater. Amen. Preparing for greater. Numbers, the 14th chapter. Glory to God. Numbers chapter 14, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 20. Hallelujah. God is a good God, and he is worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 14, verse number 20. The Bible says, then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. This is our base scripture. Verse 21, let's go. It says, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to do what? To listen to my voice. Verse 23, it says they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it, will ever see it. Now, we uh, started this message series about three weeks ago talking about preparing for greater. And the thing that I want us to understand is, is that God wants to do greater things through each and every one of us. God wants to do things in and through each and one of us individually, us corporately as a body, that's even far beyond what we can even imagine or think with our own minds. There are times when, uh, when, when you look throughout scripture, you see God doing supernatural or miraculous things through the people of God. The people that God uses in scripture are no different than you and I. They were flesh and blood, human beings just like you and I, but God was able to use many Amen. To further advance the kingdom agenda in the earth realm. And what God wants to do through each one of us today is to use us. Amen. As a tool to advance his kingdom principles. Now, we start this off. We we said our key thought is that God's people sometimes experience divine purging and discipline in preparation for greater blessing. Amen. Uh, Unbelief is the biggest hindrance to watch out for as we seek to advance God's kingdom principles. Now, I told you uh, three things that that hindered Israel or three things that were Israel's big problem. Number one, we said what? That that fear. They were operating out of fear. Everybody say fear. They were operating out of fear. The second problem they had was what? Unbelief. They were operating in unbelief. When God promised something, when God said something, they refused to believe it. Because go back, if you pop it right back up to Numbers, the 23rd chapter, not 14 chapter, verse number 23 again. Let's look at that and let's focus in on that passage because this is critically important. When God gives us a word, his word is true. Do y'all listen? Are y'all listening to me today? When God gives us a word, when he gives us a promise, his expectation is that we will follow and govern our lives based on the promise that he's given to us. So many times the church is crippled and it's hindered because we refuse to take God at his word. So many times the church walks and lives beneath its privileges because we look at the word of God sometimes really in contempt. The text says they will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. How are they how are they treating God with contempt? They will treating him with contempt by refusing to listen to his word. 
Remember what James 1, I think it's 22, says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So Israel had an issue. They had a problem. They were operating in fear. They were operating in unbelief. And they were complaining. The third thing. They were complaining. And so as we get into uh, the, the lesson text, we found out on last week that that Moses was the one who God had chosen to uh, to take and to lead the children of Israel from their captivity in Egypt. Amen. To the land of promise from their captivity, from their slavery in Egypt to the land of promise. But how many of you know that? And I said on last week. God can have something for you, but you 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 can live your whole life and never operate in the thing that God has for you, even though he has it for you. Because we have a part to play in moving a man to quote the land of promise. We you and I in our faith walk have a have a part to play in making sure that we get to where we need to get to. Now, the wilderness journey, uh, despite being well organized, we told you on last week would fail. God knew unless there was true spiritual commitment on the parts of the people. So as he as he as he used Moses to go to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. We discovered that before Moses could ever get to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let God people go, God had to work on Moses. Can I get a witness? How many of y'all are willing to raise your hand and say, God is still working on me right now? How many of y'all are willing to say that there's some things I know God has for me, but he's still, he's got to work some stuff out of me. Any of y'all got some stuff in you? And you know it's stuff. People who love you have, have identified the stuff in you. They told you about the stuff in you, and you've gotten mad with them for telling you about your stuff. Isn't that a trip? The people who love us the most, the people who, who aspire for us to accomplish the greatest things in life that God has for us to accomplish, when the people who love us the most speak truth in our lives, what do we do? We get mad at them. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in love, right? And I'm here to tell you, you need some people in your life. You need somebody in your life who can tell you, amen, about yourself. Who can talk to you and say, listen, come on, come here. Now, listen. Now, listen, hey, bro, we've been running together for about the last 15, 20 years, haven't we? Been but listen, um, listen, this thing that you're dealing with, man, you don't even realize that you've allowed pride to overcome you. You've allowed pride to, to, to build up on the inside of you. I know you can't see it because pride is tough for the person who's walking it to even see it. But I, I'm your friend. Listen, I'm, I, I'm not, I want the best for you. So let, let me, can, I, can we just talk? Amen. And you need somebody in your life like that. And your loved ones are generally the ones that can tell you that unless you're that kind of person who won't listen to nobody. Can I get a witness? So 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 God got some stuff for us. He wants to use us. But in order to use us, he has to prepare us in order to get us to the point of greater to operate in greater blessing to to operate and walk in divine destiny. He has to do with us like he had to do with Moses. Now, y'all know the story, man. We said that spiritual commitment had to start with Moses, the leader of God's people. Go, go back to Acts the seventh chapter with me right quick. Acts chapter seven. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Just by way of review. Acts chapter seven, verse number 20. He had to deal with Moses. I told you on last week that Moses had a change of address, right? Think about this for a second. God was watching over Moses all of his life because God knows us before we ever got into this earth realm. He knew you would be born into the family that you were born into. He knew you would be living where you're living right now. He knows everything about us. 
And after Pharaoh at that time had, had declared that they were going to kill those two year old and under baby boys, uh, that his mother put him in that river and Pharaoh's daughter scooped him up. And then he was raised in Pharaoh's house. And here's the thing about it. When babies are three months old, they still need milk, right? Is that correct? And see, back there in those days, they didn't have formula. Similac. Anybody, any of y'all use Similac? What's the other formula? Infamil. I remember that stuff is costly, isn't it? Some of y'all were breastfeed. And see, back in these days, they had to breastfeed, correct? Is that right? Didn't have Similac and Infamil, so they had to breastfeed. And so, so in order for Moses to develop, his sister was working, amen, in, 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 in Pharaoh's daughter's house, right? And so she suggested that her own mother be the nursemaid for her own child. Can I get a witness? And so Pharaoh's daughter, amen, heeded her, her directives, and Moses' mother came, lived in Pharaoh's house, and raised her own son while the son was going up, growing up and he was being indoctrinated into Egyptian culture. She was also at the same time telling about his own family. Can I get a witness? And so that was that, that's critical and important because as he was growing up in Egyptian culture, having the finer things in life, having the best education. I told you on last week, Moses was if you were to look at his life, he would be considered the man. Amen. The big stuff, the, the, the one who who had the education, the one who who had the privileges, yet and still God had to do something in him. And he did that by cultivating his Hebrew heritage on the inside of him as his mother breastfed him. Don't you think for one second that his mama didn't tell him about his people? Don't you think? Come on now. Don't you think for one second that while she's raising him in Pharaoh's house, she's not also talking about amen, his his Hebrew heritage. So I believe that's why that seed was planted when Moses began, got older, uh, even by around the age of 40, we told you that he was set up for success, but yet still God had to break some stuff out of him. How many of you know sometimes you can look good on the outside, but there's some stuff on the inside that God's got to deal with? Can I get a witness? The text says this, at the time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes, his parents cared for him at home for three months. Look at the next verse. It's when, I, when they had, had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. Again, again, remember this, as I said before, adoption, you know, the when someone adopts a child, that child has all the rights and privileges as the natural born child. We, amen, as as Gentiles were adopted into the family of God. We are not naturally natural. We're not natural born Jews. We are Gentiles, amen, who've been grafted in. We've been adopted into the family of God. Can I get a witness? Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in both speech and in action. Verse number 23 says one day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. Here's the story. He saw an Egyptian. Y'all know of mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. 25. Let's read. Moses assumed. Everybody say he assumed. He assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them. Everybody say but they did. Say they didn't. They did not realize that God had sent him to rescue him. So Moses, and Moses right now at this point, because of where he, where he was and where he stood, had a little bit of pride on the inside of him. I told you on last week that, that Moses had, we call it a midlife crisis, and as a result of this, he had to have a change of address, right? He went from the palace to the pasture. 
He went from having a whole lot to having little of nothing. And God was all the time working on him. He had a change of address. He had a change of vocation. And he had a significant change in status. How many of y'all could stand what Moses went through? How many of you sitting right there right now, if God on your journey took you from where you were, cruising right along, believing that you were, you got it going on, believing that, that everything is well, believing that you're the guy with the, you know, with the, with the house in the suburbs, with the three-car garage, with the, with the, the SUV and the, and the Mercedes being in the driveway and, and your $200,000 income and, and you're moving right along, all of a sudden, Change of address. All of a sudden, change in status. All of a sudden, a change in vocation. And that's what Moses experienced, guys. Now, now, now if you, if you if, what, what God was doing with Moses, as, t- as I told you before, Moses, God was actually trying to transform him and to get him prepared to lead. Because what he had in store for Moses was at this point bigger than Moses, what Moses could really imagine. Because Moses right now here, the text says Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The timing wasn't right. Everybody said the timing wasn't right. Sometimes God can show you a thing, and that thing can resonate in your spirit. You can be passionate about it. But if your timing is off, in other words, you're not in God's timing, you still may not get the thing that God has shown you he has for you. Can I get a witness? Now, uh, look at your outline here. I got on part D in your outlines. Some lessons that Moses learned that helped him to prepare for a greater destiny, a greater blessing. I want to just kind of pick on these just for a second. Moses had to learn, first of all, a lesson on humility. Okay? Because that that, that verse says that Moses assumed uh, that they would, you know, appreciate what he was trying to do for them, but they didn't. All right? And sometimes we assume things that are not fact that are not actuality, right? So, so humility. Go, go with me right quick. He had to learn a lesson on humility because when you move from the palace to the backside of the desert to t- tending the sheep for 40 years, that'll do something to you. Because isn't it amazing how people think that their stuff that they has defines them and makes them who they are? They assume that because, you know, I have monetary resources, I have of these possessions that that makes me the man. And what God has to do in all of our lives is to get us to understand that those things are good. He doesn't have a problem with us having them, but he does have a problem with them having us. If all you talk about is the stuff that you have, you're missing, amen, amen, your purpose and destiny in life. Are you listening to me today? And so, so, so a little dose of humility had to come into Moses' life uh, because even though he was God's chosen man, he had to prepare him for greater blessing and for greater destiny. Go with me. Uh, but, but the first lesson he learned was humility because serving a man uh, at that period of time would cause him to, to, uh, to, to walk in humility because he had to work some stuff out of it. Go to James chapter 4 with me right quick and let's look at verse number 10. First lesson is humility. Everybody say humility. James chapter 4 verse number 10 if you pop it up right quick. Look at what the text says here. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will do what? Come on, we got to read it together, y'all. Are y'all there? James chapter 4, verse number 10. Let's read together. Ready? Read. Humble yourselves. 
All right, come on, let's back up to verse number seven. Let's start at verse number seven and read down here, okay? So the first lesson Moses had to learn was humility. Humility. I've seen people in ministry many times uh, if they get to a certain level or certain uh, serving at a certain size church, they a tinge of arrogance slips in because they begin to think that the people are coming because of them. You go to some of these meetings, what size your church, Doc? First of all, he ain't got no doctorate, so quit calling him Doc. Are you with me? Preachers can be something else if we're not careful. Come on. Spiritual leaders can be something else if we're not careful, because what will begin to happen, you begin to think that people are coming because of your intelligence. That people are coming because of what you have. That you're the one who are drawing the crowd and you have to command a certain monetary uh, contribution before you will step foot and preach the gospel in certain places. And so arrogance and, and, and pride can easily creep up on you uh, when you get a little, little something something. When you get five dollars above rent money. <laughs> Come on now. When you didn't have nothing, you were humble. But now that God has blessed you with the promotion, you can't talk to me now. What's up with that? Are y'all tracking with it? Humility is very important. So he says, he says, look at verse seven. Uh, so y'all read it? Let's read. So now we got hey, so is the beginning of something that it tells you something happened before that, right? So, so let's let's back up and see if we can what happened before that. Will y'all go with it? Go to verse four. Go to verse four. Go to verse four. Come on, let's read. Verse four says what? You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, what is he saying right here? Guys, as born-again believers, I've told you this before, we have a responsibility to interface with those who are not saved. We have a responsibility to build a relationship so that we can uh, earn the right to speak into their life. But we cannot afford to be indulged. Listen to me, curious Christian. We cannot afford to be indulged in the same things that the world is indulged in. How is my witness and my testimony going to be effective when I'm engaged in the same uh, moral uh, 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 mess ups that the world is engaged in? So as a believer, you got to decide whose side am I going to be on? What's more important to me, serving my God and being his, his witness or hanging out with the boys and doing what the world does? Guys, holiness is still right. And as a church, we cannot afford to allow and to not call out sin in the camp. Israel, if you study their journey, amen, their, their journey from Egypt into the promised land, that was, as they get into the promised land, that was a, a place called Ai. Ai was, by all virtues, was too small to even give Israel a fight. Ai was a place where, where, where really they didn't even bring all their army to fight them because they were so confident they could take them out that they said, well, this, yeah, we'll just take a few of y'all. We, we can handle this. But guess what happened at Ai? At Ai, Israel was defeated because there was what? Sin in the camp. And whenever there's sin in the camp, whenever there's 
unchecked sin in the body of Christ, it causes our ability uh, to reach the world to be ineffective. So you got to decide, am I going to really live this stuff or am I just coming to church on Sunday morning and feel good about myself? So, so, so he says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, friend of the world, understand what that means. I'm not saying that you don't interface with people. We have to do that in order to say, get them saved. But you cannot run. I've said this before. It's hard and it's next to impossible for your best buddy to be a dude, amen, who's not saved and who's doing all kind of immoral stuff. Because what's going to happen is the light in you is going to chase out the darkness in him or you're going to allow the darkness in him to smother out the light in you. Okay? This ain't scripture, but, but I believe it to be true. Birds of a feather. Huh? Birds of a feather do what? And you usually hang out with folks who are doing the same thing that you're doing. Right? So, yes, we are to build a relationship. Yes, we are to interface. Yes, we are, we are not to turn our nose up at anybody. But at the same time, he's talking about, we, look at what the text says. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, what do you do? You make yourself an enemy of God. When you connect and start doing the same things that those who are worldly are doing, then you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy of God. Look at the next verse, verse 5. Let's move. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? Verse 6. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Verse 7. Let's go. Ready to read. Ready to read. Come on. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Verse 8. Let's read. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Now, if the truth be told, many of y'all sitting here right now, you have divided loyalty. You have divided loyalty. You're here in church today, yes, and you look so nice. Man, y'all look great. And y'all look, y'all, y'all, just on the outside, man, you look like you're just loving Jesus. On the outside, you look like you're just, you're just, you're just walking with the Lord. And you'll even amen me on stuff, amen? You'll even raise your hand sometimes, say it, preacher, say it, say it. But, but you are divided between God and the world. What does that look like? That looks like a person who is, amen, when they're here on Sundays, they speak the part. But Monday through Saturday, they're living something different. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't, all of us can mess up along the way, but I'm talking about living different. Having a lifestyle of, 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 of uh, that's, that's not indicative of someone who's had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the text says here, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And that's not cool. Listen, God is a jealous God. He says, I'm, you're not, you can't have no other God before me. Next verse, read verse 9. Come on, let's go. Let there, be, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And what will he do? 
He will lift you up. Go to first Peter five, four, verse five and six. First Peter four, verse five and six. The first lesson that Moses, when he had a change of address, when he had a change of vocation, when he had a change of status, first lesson he learned was the lesson of humility, the importance of humility. If God is going to lift you up, you got to humble yourself. Okay, watch this. First Peter four, five. But remember that they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Verse number six, read. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever. What? And what? With God in the spirit. Go back to verse number five right quick. Let's read it again. He says, but remember that they will have to face have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So all of us are going to face God's judgment. But verse six says again, let's read again. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. See, if you're going to live forever with God in the spirit, you, you, you got to be a man of humility. Humble enough to say that Jesus Christ, I know that I don't, I can't do it myself. I don't have the strength. I don't have the willpower, but I'm going to submit my will to your will. And I'm going to invite you to be my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to humble myself. Amen. I'm going to humble myself before the cross of Calvary so that I can receive you into my heart so that I can have that relationship with God. And I can, I can be whole and healthy because I'm walking in humility. Okay. Now, the second thing I wrote for you, I want you to just jot this down, but make a note beside your point here. It's important for us to understand God's timing. Everybody say God's timing. Okay? God's timing. God's timing is really critically important because again, Moses, something on the inside of him knew and told him that he had a destiny to fulfill. A calling to fulfill. Yet he was out of timing. He was not in God's timing. At the age of 40, around the age of 40, that's when he was chased out of Egypt because Pharaoh, once he heard about him killing the Egyptian, sought to kill Moses. Right. So understanding God's time. Go to Exodus, the third chapter with me right quick. Exodus, chapter three, verse seven through eight. How many of y'all uh, have experienced God's greater blessing in uh, in something in your life where you thought you were ready for it maybe five or ten years earlier? Anybody in the house? How many of you thought you were ready for it when you really wasn't ready for it? How many of y'all have children who think they're ready for stuff that they're really not ready for? How many of y'all got children who think they're ready to date, but they're really not ready to date? Somebody may ask, well, Brother Pastor, what is the, the age in which an individual should be allowed to date? Well, it depends. Hey. Now, how many of y'all grew up in, in homes where mom and dad said, you, you, you date when, you, when you're 50? <laughs> no, no boy better not come by here talking about taking company. You, how many of y'all remember the, the term, can I take company? Y'all know what that means? Anybody? Some of, y'all, some of the young people say, Brother Pastor, what are you talking about? Taking company means that your parents allow a boy which is most of the time, that's where it should be, the boy going, yeah. All right, now again, now it's, it's not, let me put it this way. 
when they are dating, somebody needs to keep an eye on them. Come on. I don't care how, how saved they are. They're, they're part of the youth group. They're part of, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the song praise, the real for Christ ministry. But somebody got to keep an eye on them. So, so, I, I, so that, that age is going to be turned on the, on, the, on the parental consent and the maturity of the individual. Some, some, some of y'all are 25 and you ain't ready. Hello? So, 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 so anyhow, sometimes we think we're ready for something, but in actuality, we have not demonstrated the maturity and, and, the, and the wherewithal to, 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 to embrace that thing that we're ready for. We think we're ready for, okay? Some of our kids think they're ready for a car, but you don't know how to go to the store and come back right now driving my car. Huh? You were, you were to go to Brooks's and get some milk and come right back, but you all up there by the high school on the other side of town. So you're not really ready because you're not responsible. And I, I'm looking at everybody here. You know, I think all of us have demonstrated our lack of, of, of responsibility and ability to handle certain things, right? How many of y'all, have, have, how many of y'all in here have put stuff over on your parents so you thought? Come on, come on. I want to see the hand of the person who never did anything that your parents told you not to do. I want to see you. I want you to come up to the altar. We're going to, we're going to look at you for the rest of this sermon. We're going to just watch you and see the glory on your life. Because I promise you, there are some things that my parents told me not to do that I slipped and did. And there were some hard lessons learned because I did those things too. Are you with me? Come on, let's, let's, so, so, so sometimes we think we're ready for something. Moses thought he was ready, but he really wasn't. Okay? Some humility had to be learned. Understanding God's time had to come to place. Exodus 3, 7. Let's read. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Verse eight. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites now live. So the enemy was there, guys. The enemy was in the land. But God said, that's the land I've ordained for you to operate in and to walk in. See, when God gives you a promise, that does not mean that you won't have opposition. I remember, and people meant well when they said this, but, but in their mind, I heard people say, well, you know, if, 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 it's, if it's of the Lord, then everything will run smooth. I found, Craig, that to be almost the opposite. Especially when you're going to do something for the Lord and, and it's going to reach people, the enemy will get busy when he knows you're trying to be effective. The devil ain't concerned about you if all you do is come to church and go home every Sunday. Why bother? You're not going to reach anybody. You hadn't witnessed anybody since you've been saved 20 years. As a matter of fact, if we're not careful, some of us will help run people away from the church by the way we live, by our attitudes, 
by our disposition. And we'll keep people away. So the enemy just use us as a tool. Yeah, go on, go to church. Yeah, I, I know you got saved, but you're still a baby. And babies cut up in church. Babies have attitudes. Baby getting mad at some of the most trivial things because they're not maturing spiritually. I mean, stuff you think, okay, that, all right, spiritual maturity will show itself, amen, in our outward behavior. But watch what it says. Look at, look at the next verse. Come on. Re- read it real quickly. Ready to read. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Keep reading. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now here at this point, again, Moses uh, had, had, had left Egypt on the backside of the desert for 40 years. And now God is getting ready to he's prepping him to go and prepare him to go do something that's 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 even beyond his ability to comprehend. Uh, because now Mo, he had done some things in Moses. He had helped Moses get to the point where he was ready to lead. Because even though Moses thought he was ready when he killed an Egyptian, he really wasn't ready. Amen. So we got to understand God's timing. Look at verse number 11. Verse 11 says what? But Moses protested to God. Look, look at this. Here's the same guy who assumed. Come on. We, we saw it. Actually, he assumed that they would appreciate the fact that he's trying to deliver them. The very same guy who, who as I told you on last week, he had some gall to think that he was, was going to lead two million slave laborers besides their, their, their wives and their children out of Egypt because he was raised in Pharaoh's palace. That, that, that took some gall and some mitigated gall to think that he was going to be able to do that without the Lord's help. All right. Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Well, 40 years ago, you thought you were ready. But look at what God has done in Moses. He has he's, he's worked the spirit of humility in him. And now it's God's timing. The third thing that Moses had to learn was uh, he, he, in order to be prepared for greater, you, you, you got to learn to. Having having a broken spirit is is, is critically important. Go to Psalm 51 with me right quick. Psalm 51, verse number 17. Having a broken spirit. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me today? Everybody say, I need to get prepared for greater. Hallelujah. Look at what the psalmist said. This is David talking, y'all. David writes and pens this psalm, Brother Eric. This, this is penned after he uh, had failed into sin with Bathsheba. You guys know the story how he, had, he, had, he was at a time that he should have been kings, should have been out waging war. He was back home in the wrong place. I mean, he was in a, his, his rightful place was the palace. But it was the wrong time to be in the palace. And sometimes you can be in the right place at the wrong time and get yourself messed up. All right. Now, now, so, so he saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. And the Bible says that she was very beautiful. And he desired her. He inquired about her. Let me say something to you right now. Sometimes when you see something that attracts you, but that attraction is outside the will of God, the first thing you got to do is look the other way. We learned, we were teaching our young, young men uh, in the every young man's battle class, 
you have to learn brothers and sisters how to bounce your eyes. You know what it means to bounce your eyes? Okay, acknowledge the beauty of a person. Yes, that person is beautiful. They look nice. But then don't, don't let your eyes wander down and look all around. Okay, you guys look at me like you don't know and don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Listen to me. We have some beautiful, fine women in this church. As a matter of fact, I think all of y'all are. Let me get back up here. Somebody told me, say, bro, Pastor, you talking about your wife so pretty. You ain't got the only pretty wife in the church. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. We have some beautiful, beautiful, fine women in the church. But as a Christian man or aunt, we got some handsome, fine brothers in the church. I need some more amens on that. Now, y'all were a little bit louder on the women, but. All right, don't play with me now. But you as a Christian can acknowledge the beauty of a person without it being lustful. Amen? Now, I don't know why we're talking about David and how he got into this position, but I don't know, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just say, okay, stay there just for a few minutes because I believe somebody here is dealing with learning how to bounce their eyes. Somebody here is dealing with learning how to look but don't lust. Somebody here is learning, is dealing with how to, how to acknowledge the beauty, but keep moving. See, anytime a dude does, hey, or you, hey, walk by, and you go on this way, and they turn in this way. You move from looking to lusting. So what, what, Here's what happened with David. David began to imagine in his mind being with that beautiful woman. She's on a rooftop bathing. Right? And so when you don't learn how to bounce, you'll get yourself in trouble. Okay, that's enough on David and bouncing eyes. Somebody need to hear that. Look at your David say, are you an eye bouncer? I know that that makes some of y'all uncomfortable for me to talk about that in the church. But what better place to talk about that than in the church when church folks are dealing with that stuff? There's a reason why some of this stuff is going on because we don't teach it and we don't talk about it and we don't we don't tell you how how to how to how to acknowledge it first and foremost because sometimes we can't deal with our sin because we won't acknowledge that it's even there. Hey, no no no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you. Yeah. All right. So David said so so David writes this after he had hit hit indulged in sin. And so now now notice what David said. David said the sacrifice that you desire is what a broken spirit 
you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Because David said early on, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew within me the right spirit. David, 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 David was remorseful. David was repentant. He, he was broken. See, God can't use you when you don't have a broken spirit. God can't use any of us if we're not truly repentant. He says, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Are you with me today? So that's, so having a broken spirit is, is critically important for preparing for greater because if, if, you, if you don't have a, a, a repentant heart, a broken spirit, then when, when you get elevated, you'll get beside yourself. Number four, thing that he had to understand is that your destiny is bigger than you. Moses had to understand that his destiny and what God had prepared for him was bigger than him, bigger than his skill set, bigger than his, his monetary position. Because at this point, he went from being in, in Pharaoh's house to on the backside of the desert. So he didn't, certainly didn't have the same economic status that he had prior to when he thought he was ready to deliver them. All right. Your destiny is bigger than you. Look at look at Exodus three and eleven with me right quick. Go back to Exodus three and eleven. Y'all still tracking with me? Exodus three and eleven. Glory to God. Watch this. But Moses protested to God. Look at what Moses said. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I? I, 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 I don't I don't have now he's different than 40 years earlier it took 40 years to him for him to get there but he's there now look at verse 12 let's read it look verse 12 said God answered I will be with you and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt watch this you will worship God at this very mountain. Okay? He's God, 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 God says, I will be with you. He's letting Moses know that your destiny, what I have prepared for you, is bigger than you. You can't do it by yourself. And that's the thing that we in ministry have to come to grips with the fact is that God, amen, has some things that he wants us to accomplish and do, and it's bigger than us. We can't do it by ourselves. There's some things that God wants to do in your life and in my life that, that goes beyond our skill sets, our money, the money that we have, and, 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 and whatever, whatever we think that, that we possess. And we need him. It's bigger than us. Go to Ephesians 3 and 20. We read this one all the time. Ephesians 3 and 20. Let's, let's look at that from the King James Version of Scripture. From the KJV, Ephesians 3 and 20. I love this passage. Watch this. Watch this. Ready to read. Now unto him... That is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Come on, let's read it one more time. Now unto him that is what? Able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that does what? That worketh in us. That worketh in us. The power that worketh. He's able to do exceeding abundant above all that we can ask. In other words, God is able to do stuff that we in us and through us that we don't even think that we have the capacity to do. Moses is at that point now. Previously, when he was full of pride, he was ready to go and deliver the people. 
But he couldn't do it because he had some stuff in him that God had to work out of him. He had to learn about being humble. He had to learn about, amen, uh, understanding God's time. He had to learn about having a broken spirit. And he had to realize that his destiny was bigger than him. And so now he's at that point to where he's realizing, who am I to do this? Forty years early, he was saying, I'm the man. I can get it done. But now God had to work through him. So, so, so what did... What's, what's Moses' divine motivation? Let's look at this last part of our, of our, of our deal here. We're going to try to get you out of here. How did God get Moses to commit to change, to, to, to move from being a prideful man, a man that, that looked at himself in a way that didn't afford him the opportunity to deliver God's people, and he got to the point to where he was ready? Amen? So, so first of all, he got him there through his promises. Okay? Everybody say through his promises. Go back to Exodus 3. See, God's promises... Are true. God's promises do not fail. Go to Exodus 3, verse 8, then we look at 12, then we look at 17 through 18, right quick, okay? Through his promises. When people understand, listen to me carefully, when people understand the character of God, when you understand his faithfulness, his honesty, and his absolute holiness, you're going to discover that his promises are towers of strength. In which we can go and take refuge, guys. Believe every believer. Listen carefully. We need to explain God's promises to people and apply those promises in a practical and relevant way. We got to know what He promised us. Amen. We got to know that uh, Moses. Amen. God convinced Moses to commit to something that Moses originally, when, when you saw a while ago, really didn't want to do. I mean, at first he wanted to do it back earlier, but now that he he, he had went through this, this level of lesson on humility and, and submission. He's, he's there now saying, I, 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 don't, I don't think I can do this, God. Who am I to go tell Pharaoh, let his, your people go? Who am I? He, he didn't think that, that he had the capacity to do it. Amen. So, so God had to motivate Moses to move, right? How did God get him to commit to this change? We see right now, he, it, it was through his promises. Exodus 3 and 8 again. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land full with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They now live there. Go to verse 12. Skip to verse 12 right quick. It says, God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Verse 17. Skip down. Glory to God. I have promised to rescue you. Here's he, he again, guys, he gives him promises. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the, those enemies again, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look at verse 18. Let's read. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him the Lord, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. So he gives them promises. Amen. He he gives them promises. Believers, we have to let people know that God has promised certain things to those who follow after him. And those promises are real. Those promises can be uh, uh, walked in, walked out in our everyday life when we learn how to accept them. The second thing I want you to, to notice is, is he, he prepared Moses and, and he got Moses to commit to change by giving him concrete and obtainable goals. 
He gave him some concrete and attainable goals. Amen. Go to Exodus, the fourth chapter, verse 15 through 17. He gave him some concrete and attainable goals. God told Moses exactly what he wanted him to accomplish. He didn't overload Moses with unattainable goals. Amen. See, when God leads us to do something, you can bet that we have the capacity to do whatever he's leading us into. What he's leading us into. Having the capacity. Now, listen to me carefully. Having the capacity does not negate the need to be trained. Hear me carefully. Even though I got the capacity, amen, that still doesn't negate my need to be trained and cultivated and developed to walk in the thing that God has already ordained for me to walk in. The problem that many of us have is we may have the capacity and we want to walk in it, but we don't want to be trained. We don't want to be developed. Now, I'm, 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 this is my pastoral plea right here. Some of y'all sit here and it will kill you to come to Sunday school. Yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't do Sunday school. I don't do midweek service. I don't do small group, Pastor. You know, I just, you know, I, I want to come and enjoy the service on Sunday. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But there's a training element that God wants to take us through. There's a development element because God knows that you're going to face some things. When you get to the place he's ordained for you to be in, there's going to be some challenges and you got to be prepared for those challenges. But some of us have the capacity, but we think that we don't need to be trained. We need to be developed. We don't need to have that timing, okay? Sometimes people aren't sure what they're being asked to do. And I, I understand that, amen? And, 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 and uh, and maybe you're not sure whether or not you can accomplish it or not. But I'm here to tell you, if God has a work for you, if you will commit yourself to the process of being developed and trained, then God will make sure that you understand what specifically he has for you to do. And he'll equip you to be able to do that thing. All right. Y'all with me? All right. So, so watch this. Look, look at, look at the, the Exodus, the fourth chapter. Y'all there? It says, verse 15. Let's read together. It says, talk to him. And put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak. And I will instruct you both. And what to do. Now, what, what's happening right here? Y'all know the story, right? What did Moses say? God, yo, I can't. I don't know how to talk. I can't, you want me to go out there and tell Pharaoh this? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, maybe I stutter. I, 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 can't, I can't get my words out. Take Aaron with you. He'll talk for you. God, listen, let me tell you something. When you start giving God excuses, he'll remove every excuse you give him. If you listen to it. He says, talk to him and put the, word, put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. Verse 16 and 17. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Notice what God, back up, notice what God told Moses. He says, he will be your mouthpiece, Aaron, for Moses, and you, Moses, will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. There are times when God will give your spiritual leadership word that fits your life, word that, 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 that is coming straight from God, but it's coming through your spiritual leader. Guys, there are going to be times when you're going to be challenged in this ministry, and, and, and God's going to use me to challenge you, amen, to, to walk in greater. 
Because it's too easy to get complacent in our spiritual walk. It's too easy to be settled right where we are and, and, and in our comfort zone. And I'm here to tell you, every time God has moved and every time God has done anything significant in my life, he had to move me out of my comfort zone, Vic. I had to get out of what I was comfortable in and begin to walk in what God wanted me to walk in. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you've been comfortable for the last 10, 15 years, it's time to shake some things up. God's going to have you talking to people who maybe, who maybe you, you, you don't even feel comfortable being around. But God said, that's the person I want you to minister to. That person at work who nobody else wants to be around, God's going to say, take him out to lunch. That'll be a first because nobody else wants to go to lunch with him. Everybody else is running from him. But there is something that I need to deposit in him and that person really needs to know me and I'm going to use you to minister to him. I don't know, but God, I'm trying to get out of here. Lord, I've been praying. God said, I ain't letting you leave until you do what I asked you to do. And maybe you're there at that job I told you before because God got you there to minister to somebody he's trying to get saved and you're the person that's been assigned to do it. Watch this, verse 17, what, ready to read, ready to read. This is what, and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. So God has given him concrete and attainable goals. He's telling them what to do. The third thing that God does is God gave Moses specific instructions, okay? And we see that as we move on down to him. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to get to a close. He gave him specific Instruction. He gave Moses specific instructions about how to accomplish those goals. You know, our counseling of fellow believers falls short if people don't know how to achieve the things we challenge them to do. You know, when it comes to marriage counseling in, in particular, I, I, I like to give assignments uh, uh, so that people can, so I can see if they're going to be willing to follow, amen, the instruction and the training that I'm giving to them. Because People will come and talk to you and they'll they want to tell you a problem or tell on the other person and they'll do that all day long. But when it comes to what, what's the strategy to get out of this position that we're in, I want to give you specific biblically based strategy how to improve your marriage relationship. But if you won't follow those instructions, we're just wasting time. You come back next month and, we, and you're going to still be complaining about your spouse. But, 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 but when I ask you that you and your scout did you and your spouse do couple daytime like I asked you? Well, you know, but Pastor, you always that thing got busy. No, no, no. You made time for it when you were coating her. Coating. Yes, I said coating her. In, in, in the southern vernacular, that's courting. Isn't it amazing how we made time to be sensitive to people who we say we love when we were dating them and now that we're married to them, we treat them like they dirt. You didn't act that way when you were trying to get her or trying to get him. Hello. And so God gave Moses specific instructions. When I do marriage counseling, I've learned give assignments. If they won't do the assignment, don't come back until you do the assignment. Because you're wasting your time and my time. It, it, not, not only just marriage counseling, but any other kind of counseling. Why go to the doctor and don't do what the doctor tell you to do? 
Your blood pressure high. You keep eating pig feet. He told you to leave the pig feet alone. You keep eating pork ribs. But Pastor, my head spinning. It's spinning because you keep eating. Come on. You hard-headed. We can be some hard... Come on now. We can be some hard-headed folks, right? Specific instruction. Why hire a lawyer and pay him money and don't do what he advised you to do? If you know it all, just go on up with yourself. But you'll know it all self. Why would you pay somebody to give you advice and then you ignore the advice they give you? When you go to court, (laughs) that's why they always ask you, do you have uh, legal representation? It's not a good idea to try to do it yourself because you don't know the law. You didn't go to law school, but you're smart, though, huh? Yeah. Okay, go on if you want to. All right. Number four, God showed Moses evidence of divine power. He showed him evidence of divine power. I'm going I'm to go through the rest of these right quick, and, and I'm going to let you go. He showed him evidence of divine power, uh, and he, he, he got him to commit the chain by redirecting his focus. A lot of times our focus has to be redirected off of the problem and onto God. It has to be redirected off of the problem and onto the promise. We still got to deal with the problem, but we know the promise. The promise enables us to deal with the problem. Amen? And lastly, he, 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 he got Moses to commit to change by giving him a description of, of his character and his plan. God's character and his plan are, 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 are not, they're impeccable. His timing is impeccable. And God will, if you will, if you will learn, if you will take the time to, to know the God who saved you. And you can't know God intimately without spending time with him. Just like I can't know my wife intimately without spending time with her. I, did, I, can't, I, I don't know who, who she is if I don't spend any time with her. And you cannot know God, his character, his plan for your life if you refuse to spend time with him. But when you do spend time with him, when you get to know him, I mean, really know him. Because y'all know y'all know some people. If you married to somebody for any period of time, you probably know them. Sometimes you say you know them better than they know themselves, right? If you know a person, if you know God, you know his character, you know his attributes, then you'll have confidence to move based on his promise and based on his word. Moses got to the point, guys, to where he left the desert in Midian and went down to Egypt and told Pharaoh to let God's people go. But he had to go through a development process. And many of us are sitting here right now. God wants to do greater through you, but he's got to prepare you for that greater. Many of us want the greater but without the preparation. But we got to go through that valley of development that God sends all of us through. Every last one of us, I've went through it. I'm still going through it because I know God's going to do some, some, some greater things in this ministry. And he starts with the leadership. Y'all got me? Are you prepared for greater? Do you believe God can do that thing that he's shown you in his word that you can do? Or do you only believe he can do it through others? I submit to you, God wants to use you. For greater. Let's get prepared. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you. And we lift.